0: There was this young lady that we worked with um, when we first started to talk to her about and become friends with her at the beginning she used to say uh, i do not believe that jesus is god and she was uh, quite quite emphatic about that but after we got to know her over about a year and a half we could start to see a change in her so it's a gradual change and before we left the states uh, she asked me she said if you weren't a Christian, what religion would you be? And I said, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. She said, well, if I wasn't a Muslim, I would be a Christian. I like the way you prayed. So we started, even just that short time, we, we saw differences and, and changed in people's hearts.
1: Welcome back to the EFM podcast, where we seek to create missional conversations to equip the local church for a global impact. We're glad you're with us today. I'm your host, Tom Tyndale. It is great to have another special guest with us today. He is a more recent member of the EFM family, and it is our privilege to get a first broadcast with him now that he's live in the field in the Middle East where he's been stationed. So for the sake of this podcast, we're just going to introduce him as Mr. G., and I'll give you a little bit of a background. He has been working for several years in cross-cultural context in the inner cities of the United States, particularly with Muslims. And I've had the opportunity to meet him at, uh, at, at the place where he last lived and got to see some of the ministry and the, and the, uh, the opportunities, really, really engaged in the community. And I'm I'm really excited that now he's launched across the pond, as it were, into the Middle East, and he and his family are now serving. They've, they've just landed a couple of months ago. They've just started their third month on service, so right now there's a lot of things that are new and fresh, and in the process of adjustments, uh, he's made time to join us on the podcast today. So Thank you, Mr. G. I'm really glad you're here, and we're, we're really glad to have you on the EFM family.
0: It's an honor to be here.
1: So tell us just a little bit. I know you've made a little bit of a tour, and a lot of the people that knew you prior to this podcast, they know your story, but there's a broad EFM family that has still not quite had the opportunity to meet you face-to-face and to hear your story. So give us a little bit of a history from what brought you into the focus for uh, cross-cultural, Muslim context to get you over to where you are right now? Uh, Well,
0: um, the Lord has actually uh, sent us on a a very long journey. I mean, it uh, goes back, me and my wife's been married for about 16 years. Uh, So pretty much through through that time, uh, the Lord had called us to uh, work in Africa. And my wife's a a nurse, so she taught at the nursing school there in Kenya, and uh, after we had gotten married, we stayed there for a little while, and then uh, the Lord had uh, led us to Uganda, where we were training pastors and and working with uh, some of the orphan children there. Uh, while we were there, though, the Lord started to work on our heart. Uh, we loved Africa. We uh, wanted to, to uh, make that our our full-time ministry, but the Lord started to change things. And he said, I want you to go back to your home country. So uh, uh, not too long after that, we uh, went back to the States and started working with uh, immigrants back in the U.S. And through that, the Lord has really given us a lot of good uh, experiences. Uh, People coming to the the U.S., they have a, a lot of deficiencies. They have a lot of needs that, that, that need to be met. So we work a lot with immigration services. We learned about that. We learned how, about how to uh, maneuver through the uh, legal framework and helping the people. Uh, but through that, the Lord gave us an opportunity to meet the needs and become friends with the people. So uh, whether it was helping them to learn English or helping them to get a job or or fix something in their house. Uh, the Lord just give us a lot of great opportunities.
1: Okay, now you mentioned some really practical ideas there, and I just would like to pick up on this because a lot of times people that are living in the states think that cross-cultural ministry is something that you've got to you got to jump the pond for. And you jumped the pond coming back to the states, and you just looked for immigrant communities, and you you said they're they're deficient. And there's a lot of opportunity to, to be a witness and to be a light. And so learning English was one of those things, helping him fix things, getting jobs. Now that, that doesn't sound like ministry. Can you explain that a little, a little more for us?
0: Well, a lot of these people, they come into a context where you have to uh, really get to know them before, before even sharing the gospel. Cause they, because they are very entrenched in what they, they believe and everything. But once you uh, become friends with them, they're uh, you sort of listen to their story, and then they're more likely to listen to your story. Uh, some people, uh, uh, they are meant for uh, witnessing the people on the street. But a lot of the people that we work with, uh, that's impossible. They come from places where they where it's unheard of to uh, witness to someone on the street and sometimes they can't even understand what you're saying so uh, the communication gap and uh, their culture makes that very impractical to to share a tract or just a one-time thing it's more of a relationship and then uh, through through that relationship
1: you can't share the gospel so that's, that's great. Now, I said tongue-in-cheek, that doesn't sound like ministry, but anybody that knows me knows that life is ministry, and and <laughs> I hope we live in a way that everything we do is in some way bringing people into relationship with us so we can bring them into relationship with Jesus. But what you said there is is really crucial, and you've got to invest in the relationship to get the permission to talk about the truth of the gospel. Now. There's a phrase here that I've heard a lot and I used to, I really used to despise it. And the phrase is called relational evangelism. And the reason I used to despise it is because people that proposed it were all the time spending their time and developing relationships, but they had, they had no courage to actually get to the evangelism part. So it was, you know, <laughs> it was sort of like the cheeseburger without the cheese. It was a relationship evangelism without the evangelism. Uh, I want to I want to come back and say <laughs> relational evangelism does work if you're intentional about both parts. And the key there is to be intentional about both parts to where you're willing to invest in people because they're people and because they're relatable and even if they never come to Christ, they're still people that are in God's image that that have opportunity to be ministered to. And and so we should do that, but also there has to be an aspect where we are intentional about sharing our faith. Now, one phrase that I really still hate is, is the one that says, share the gospel in everything you do and when necessary, use words. Well, it is necessary that <laughs> uh, Jesus has called the word for a reason, but in the rest of life, we can live our lives to create those conversations. And so what you're doing, whether it's helping them get a job or work through their immigration paperwork or, you know, giving them English-speaking skills in an English-speaking country, those are all areas of very immediate practical import so that those relationships start to form trust and that trust forms opportunity to talk about the, their spiritual needs. Now, you've, you, you mentioned something there if you get to listen to their story, then you also get to share your own story. I'd be really curious. Can you share with us a couple of the stories that you've heard? Uh, yes. I mean, a lot, a lot of the people, uh, of course, they want to share uh,
0: their religion with us and everything. Uh, but they're, they're also, they have a lot of heartbreak. Uh, they come from a lot of war torn countries. And uh, some people have lost family members, uh, and just a lot, lot of sadness and everything. So it's, it's really just uh, coming alongside the side of them and empathizing. Uh, there was this young lady that we worked with um, when we first started to talk to her about and make, become friends with her. A- at the beginning, she used to say, uh, I do not believe that Jesus is God. And she was uh, quite, quite emphatic about that. But after we got to know her over about a year and a half, uh, we could start to see a change in her. So it, it's a gradual change. And before we left the States, uh, she asked me, she said, uh, if you weren't a Christian, what religion would you be? And I said, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. She said, well, if I wasn't a Muslim, I would be a Christian. I like the way you pray. <laughs> wow. So we start, even just that short time, we, we saw differences and change in people's hearts.
1: Wow. That's a, that's a great story. So, so what place, how does, I mean, everybody relates to God with a little bit of a different story. So you mentioned that a lot of these guys are coming with bereavement. They're coming from war-torn countries, and yet they still want to share their faith. So that kind of creates in me a question, well, what, what does their faith provide for them according to their understanding?
0: Well, I mean for one thing, it's all they know. Uh, it's uh, stability. Um, they know they know what's expected of them uh, five times uh, in prayer every day. There's certain things that they have to follow. It's just ritualistic. Uh, but something that we can like when we, we share our, our faith with them, it's not just the ritualistic, it's a relationship. And that, that's
1: something that's very attractive to it. So this young lady said that she liked the way you prayed. Mm-hmm. So just expose a little bit of a difference because those who are listening to this podcast that have grown up in a Christian environment their whole lives, how we pray is distinctly different than most of the other religions out there. Explain that difference for, for our family here. Yeah, the
0: is between uh, their faith is to, uh, they have uh, prescribed prayers, they pretty much pray them every day, it's the same prayers, so they know them uh, by heart, um, there's no type of relationship uh, in their religion, uh, God is not, he is not someone to be talked to, uh, he is not someone to even to relate to, so when, when uh, we see some, some of the people, and we, and we can show them that we have that personal relationship, and we, and we tell him, say, yes, I talk, I talk to God every day. I know him. I know his character.
1: And they don't have they don't have any of that. So if you're talking to someone that is devout, and how, do, how what do they think of us? Because I know there's there's a variety of of Islam to where some people are almost uh, almost Hindu in the fact that say, you know, you follow Jesus, I follow Allah, it doesn't really matter. And that's that's arguably a, a heretical sect of Islam, by certain standards in the Middle East. And then you've got others that that would be very devout, and they would just outright say you're a blasphemer. So, where is the average Muslim in that spectrum?
0: I would think that uh, a lot of the people they they get uh, sort of a uh, a half idea of what a Christian should be from like what Hollywood would say, some mega churches. Uh, something like that, someone that's shallow. But when, when we come in contact with them, it, there's still a curiosity. And when they see someone that's genuinely living out their faith, they say, they've said, that's a good person. He's a good man. So, uh, yeah, definitely curiosity. And they, they really, really try to find out what you're about.
1: So with the average Muslim in their own expression of faith, Uh, there's, you know, there's different levels. they have got to pray five times. They got to go to Mecca and, and they've got to, you know, eat meat that's halal and and all of that. So that, that would be kind of like the, the rocked rib fundamentalist, I guess, on one extreme and then others that would be pretty loose, loosey goosey. Yeah. My parents are Muslim. My grandparents are Muslim. I'm a Muslim, but not necessarily devout. Where would the majority of people that you've interacted with, where would they fall?
0: I'd say that uh, maybe about 45% of the people here that would be strict uh, in, their, in their interpretation of, of what they believe. And maybe the 55% would be nominal, but they would still hold, hold to the traditions, but they wouldn't be as strict as maybe like a, a, uh, some of the more conservative countries here. Of course, this is a little bit more conservative country than some of the other ones.
1: You've been working in the inner city in the United States for several years, and now you've moved into a, a place that is overtly uh, Muslim. So what comparisons and con- contrasts have you seen between the two locations?
0: I, I'd say in the States, uh, the people are uh, just, they're they are a little bit more shy about uh, Stating what they believe, here, here, everyone believes like they they believe. So they're outwardly they they fully practice uh, everything that's required of them. But in the states, uh, I think they have to be a little bit more careful. Uh, so you you might not see some of the more uh, uh, traditions that would shock people. Like in like a couple a couple more weeks, there's going to be another uh, Eid which is a uh, Muslim celebration. And they sacrifice goats at this time. So whenever you're here for like two or three days, people will be slaughtering goats and
1: you'll be seeing blood everywhere. That's exciting. So you wouldn't see that in the States. So so some of the things like that. So some of the secular influence of the States that has kind of squashed religion that I know a lot of Christians feel, the Muslims there feel it as well. And so- that might be a point to connect with them. And and as our podcast family is listening to think, you know, they face some of the same pressures that I face. I could let them know that this is a safe place to talk. And while we may not come to an agreement, at least we can have the freedom to be open in our discussions about, about these issues. Now you've been in your current country now for two months. So how has the adjustment been? How are your kids doing? How's your wife? What have you learned? Uh, first of all, it's very hot here,
0: <laughs> very dry, very hot. Uh, but I, I think the the my children have uh, adjusted well. They they're still trying to figure out how uh, how to fit in. Uh, but uh, as soon as school uh, school gets back into uh, focus and everything, there'll be uh, like uh, missionaries here that will uh, start to, start to get together more, and they'll have like uh, co-ops, uh, homeschool co-ops. So uh, I think that will help them even more to get involved. The schooling has been difficult. Arabic is one of the most difficult languages in the world. I think it's the second most difficult. So that's been a challenge. But uh, we have also found out that our relationships with people have been been deeper. Um, And the way I say that is because we have to depend on people more. We have to depend on them to help us. With things that we need, and everything. Not a whole lot of people speak English here, so uh, we have really have to had to depend on people, and that that leaves a lot of Americans vulnerable. But sometimes the Lord wants us to be vo- vulnerable and to trust in Him.
1: Yeah, very good. That's that is a major shift there. So you've you've come over there, and there's nobody else from our organization that has been basically there to receive you or, or to support you in that regard. What you, you, said there is another expat community that you've been able to connect with. Um, are you barefooting it? Are is there much of an English opportunity to survive I mean, How, how does that go in the day-to-day process?
0: Well, I, I know, I know some Arabic, so that's helped me, uh, get, get, uh, the basics that we need. Um, uh, Sometimes to get the deeper meaning, it's a little bit harder. But uh, actually, there's a, a pretty good-sized Baptist community here, which uh, has challenged me because uh, we're we're not in a competition with Baptists, but a lot, a lot of the people in the uh, in the Holiness movement, I don't I don't know a whole lot of people that <clears throat> are doing this type of work here. So that's challenged me to. Uh, to, to try to um, uh, share that, uh, the hope that we have with, with uh, the holiness message.
1: You know, one thing I've noticed is when you get on the front lines of an engagement, Jesus becomes more and more prominent and the other distinctives become less and less prominent. And you're able to see growth and, and fellowship and an impact of the gospel in, a, in an incredible way. And I've had some incredible deep friendships and stirring fellowships with people from a variety of theological backgrounds because we were in the trenches together, whether it's on a cross-cultural setting or in the pro-life issue in the States. And I want to challenge people. One of the best things you can do for your ecclesiology is to be aggressive with the gospel. And when you find out those who are, who are also aggressive with the gospel are running in, in similar lanes. Uh, it'll, it'll feed your soul in a good way without making you compromise your distinctives. And there's, a, there's a healthy respect there. So, so you're working now in language school, is that right? Yes. And so what's that like? Uh, what, what's a daily routine in language school? Actually, it's about six hours a day
0: six school. hours a day yeah that's been very challenging very very stressful that is intense to do that much but hopefully uh next semester because this is a summer uh summer course where it's condensed uh this that's the way they have it but uh the lord the lord has helped
1: me and everything so are you and your wife both taking language school i'm doing uh the formal language and she's doing a tutor and. And are the kids at this point? Are they jumping into language learning yet? Or are they just still adjusting to life?
0: Uh, they're they're uh,
1: picking things up here and there. They're they're not in the, in any formal training. Yeah, that's a lot to throw at them all at the beginning. So I I get that. I've I've been down that road. So what's what are your what's the next several months as best you can guess? What what is that going to look like for you? Language school and that'll go on for how long? And then what happens after language school?
0: Well, um, me and my wife were actually debating uh, whether to um, stay here for we were going to stay here for two years, but we're debating on whether to stay here for one year and then be be in the other country for the second year, Uh, because there is a little bit of a difference between uh, the dialects of this country and the country we're
1: going to. So so looking at finishing one year and kind of making a decision on whether or not to move on. If we go, if we go to the other country, it'll also give us a, a greater
0: idea of uh, the work there and what needs to be done.
1: Sure. So what, what is your vision as far as the work to be done? When you get through your language, what's that going to equip you to do with, with local, local people?
0: Well, I, I really strongly believe in strengthening the church. Um, I believe in coming alongside the pastors and uh, people that we, uh, are, uh, can work with I pray pray that the lord will send people but to find out their vision um, of course uh, efm has uh, started schools and and clinics and things in the past but um, we also believe that uh, we need to find out the vision of the local church and come alongside of them because uh, really I, i'm not I'm not the type of person to be a lone ranger uh, I just want to come and strengthen and help the people there
1: so now that you've you've been there for two months and you're sort of getting settled i know it's going to take a long time to really get settled but now that you've lived there and you've you've seen what you haven't seen before what are you seeing what kind of opportunities are opening up uh there's uh, a lot of opportunities like we had in the states Uh, there's
0: a large refugee population some of the things that uh the Lord has helped us with. Um, a re- really, really. Uh, ministry here is a lot like it was in the States. Of course, we're studying more about uh, um, the language and more intently about the culture, a few different things in culture. But people's needs are still the same. They still need to be fed. They still need to be understood. They And uh, they need friendship. And uh, so that's some of the things that we're concentrating on right now
1: with with this being an overtly muslim neighborhood how does that affect ministry what kind of what kind of concerns are you living with um i think that uh of course we can't evangelize
0: like uh street preaching and things like that uh but uh you can still have conversations with people and everything of course I've, i've had people try to uh uh, get get me to recite recite the shahada if you don't know what that is it's the uh, mu- muslim confession of faith and uh, i asked people about this they said that it was pretty common because they like they're pretty uh, zealous in their beliefs but uh so some of these people though uh, they're they're very interested in hearing more about jesus a lot of the people they this knowledge has been kept from them so they like, they like
1: to have good conversations about uh, spiritual matters. So why do they want to hear about Jesus? What, what is in their background that would make them curious? Well, uh, they have a lot
0: of different uh, motivations. Some people is to refute what Jesus is saying, or they, they believe that he, he is a prophet. Um, but some people, uh, they really don't know much about him. So they're very curious. They want They would like to know more.
1: So where have they learned whatever they know about him, or where do they get that information? a lot of a lot of media, uh,
0: they're they're religious leaders. they like to um, uh, preach about the evils of Christianity and things like that. Uh, but they, they, a lot of it's been false information. So uh, if the, if they'll hear like a Christian program, they'll hear the message of the cross. And so there's a lot of contradictions. They're, they're thinking that Christians are evil, but they, they, but they know these Christians over here and they find out that they're not evil people. They're good people. So they're really interested in finding out more.
1: Very good. Well, it's been a real privilege to have this opportunity to talk to you today. Uh, what what uh, final admonitions or prayer requests would you like to share with the, the podcast family?
0: I just pray that the Lord would continue to to help us adjust. Uh, there's still some difficulties, frustrations that we face, but uh, we're still le- leaning on the Lord. And pray that the Lord would help us to uh, uh, make the connections in the new country, and whether to uh, make the jump next year to where to that other country and finish out the final year there.
1: Well, thank you again. And for our listeners, if you would like to learn more about uh, Mr. G and his family and, and what's going on there at, at the, their location in the Middle East, the best thing to do is just to reach out to us here at the podcast. And the, the email address is podcast at 4EFM.org, podcast at 4EFM.org. And uh, just let us know that you're thinking about them. would like to learn more and we'll try to help get you routed in the right direction. Well, it's been great to talk to you, Mr. G. Thank you so much, praying for you. We're looking forward to what God is doing in the Middle East, and glad that you're part of it and that we can stand with you in prayer and support. Thank you. I really appreciate it.